From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Well, welcome to the podcast today, Manish. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, something that I think the trend is very clear. I, I came across this stat uh, not too long ago, and we decided to do a podcast about it. And the stat is, is something that TDA does, a uh, breakaway broker survey. Right? Every year they do this survey. And this year for 2019, well, I shouldn't say this year, but for 2019, the TDA breakaway survey referenced that 55% of those in the survey are looking to, to create their own RAA. Think about that for a second. I mean, that's massive. Last year it was like 44 or something. So, so that's a pretty big jump. Uh, but that's a that's a really massive stat, and and I think it's interesting because of the fact that going independent means something a little different for everybody. Now, you and I for years, uh, you know. If, let me ask you this: What are your thoughts at the stat to begin with? Well, I think it uh, the one um, caveat there is there's probably a lot of uh, advisors who are with hybrids that are breaking off into independents that maybe aren't calculated in there as well. Right. Yeah, and it's you know this is the their question essentially is always about the next twelve months. So it's not that well someday pie in the sky. Th- these are people that are thinking, I- I've got to start taking steps right now. And there's the basis for us, right? You and I for years have have uh, not only watched but seen advisors who have tried to go through those steps. In many cases, we've helped them go through those steps. Sometimes it's a referral, it's a you know whatever, maybe a a, a place. We're going to talk about some points today that you and I have had discussions with other advisors going through this. And we thought it would be a good topic to, uh, to help maybe others that are thinking about going down that path, how to be your own RAA and what it takes and things to be considerate of. Yeah, and in and, and a 20-minute podcast, we have to limit it to what we think are the most important. <laughs> um, there, there's obviously yeah. a lot of steps to take. Uh, I, I think generally people uh, put too much pressure on themselves. It's not as hard as you think. Um, if you listen to lawyers and compliance people, you would never do anything. You would just hide in your closet uh, and, and be scared of everything. It's not hard. There's, there's, there's things out there. There's people out there that can help you get this rolling. Um, and, and we've helped a lot of people. And, and we uh, like this business, the independent RIA side of it. And so we want to highlight a couple key points. The first one being, uh, I think the most important, at least to start, is the custodian choice. Uh, yeah. Who and where? So, what? Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, without without going in too much in the weeds, we've seen a lot of differences between custodians, and of course, I think the elephant in the room is merger acquisition, right? Advisors, let's say, just even in the last five years that have have created their own RA, have suddenly found themselves in many cases in. Uh, an interesting situation because of uh, different mergers and acquisitions and custodians that maybe were were really kind to the twenty, thirty, fifty million dollar RAA, and now you know who knows what's going to happen. So a custodial choice, you know, there's no guarantee in life, but I think you you have to look very, very hard at where you're choosing because not only whoops, not only costs, but also you know other features. Uh, can really come into play as well as, of course, the basic service that everybody's supposed to do so well at and nobody does. <laughs> yeah, and, and so if we talk about who, 
um, you know, you have your, your large custodians like Fidelity and TD and Schwab and Pershing. And then you also have these trust mm -hmm. companies out there uh, that, that still exist. Some have been purchased like Trust Company America by E-Trade. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of choices. And to your point, it, it you have to really uh, take your business model and then do a deep dive into what exactly are the upfront costs, the ancillary costs. And I think it's important to really figure out how your custodian makes money because if they are making yes. money on cash and cash rates start to dry up, they, listen, no one works for free. They're going to come after you one way or the other. And um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to understand um, the, the, the future of that custodian and, and you know, uh, decide accordingly. Yeah, and you really have to, I think something else that gets overlooked a lot of times until after the transition starts or, you know, you start to work with a custodian is a lot of the nickel-dime stuff. I mean, you know, account fees, annual fees, paper statements, right? All those sort of, those are boring and nobody wants to take the time to ask the question. But like I said, nothing, and I've said this on other podcasts as well, nothing in life is free. It just gets paid for somewhere else. And that oftentimes is where there are a lot of uh, sort of hidden fees if you're not paying attention. They may be disclosed, but if you haven't read them, to you, the advisor, they're still hidden. And certainly that mean, makes for a, a, a bad uh, client experience when the client calls not expecting something. So uh, as, we, as we touch on this topic, we're really, with custodians, we're really talking a little bit about back office. And I think something that we want to hit on in regards to the back office is um, like portfolio management software, you know, that, those sorts of things. And I think you have a little bit more expertise in that area because some provide some of those kinds of tools, some don't. You know, what's that landscape look like? Yeah, so once you choose your custodian, you have to decide on how you want to trade, bill, uh, performance reporting, and that usually requires an outside software. Now, there are custodians that are starting to build that in. Fidelity has something on the roadmap. Uh, something like Altruist has something uh, included in there. Uh, so you may be able to get by with using whatever the custodian has, but nine times out of ten, you need a portfolio management software. Now, full disclosure, we've used Orion since 2007, but we've re researched a lot. Just like any relationship, it's important to do your due diligence and, and constantly look for alternatives that may be better for our clients, better priced for us. Um, and But those are the things you have to look into. First of all, what is the cost, right? That's important for every advisor, but I don't think that's the number one criteria. Uh, you really need to believe in the roadmap of the, of the company. And here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of smaller firms offering portfolio management solutions, and they're a third of the price of maybe an Orion or a Black Diamond. Problem is, they don't have the money to, to put back into the infrastructure. They don't have the money to continuously grow unless they grow really fast. And you could be w stuck with a software system that's not making updates, and that's also primed for a, um, a buyout or a merger acquisition. And so these are some of the things you have to keep in mind when, when you're looking at these different software systems. Do your due diligence, talk to clients, um, and, and also believe in the, in the company itself. Yeah, I think that that's uh, some good points. I mean, the, uh, you know, there's, there's financial planning, there's CRM, there's portfolio management solutions. There's all kinds of things like that that, that can be, in some cases, bundled in. Uh, and, of course, the, the large custodians have done a lot of that. Um, buying of technology, whether that be financial planning or et cetera, what I guess Fidelity bought e-money a couple of years ago. You know, Orion isn't a custodian, but they bought 
you know, advisor. So there's a lot of different th things like that that go into what's really there, right? Is it an integration or is it actually something that's, you that's got, yeah, built you, you to have work to, together? You have to look at the ancillary software and figure out <clears> if, <throat> if you want to then yeah. plug in on top of what the portfolio management software has, these different tools. And that's that's also going to going to jack up the cost as well. Yeah. Well, and with, from an integration standpoint, right, we, we repeatedly say integrations don't work. But, you know, if you're used to using a couple of tools and maybe your CRM, you want to keep using it, like get some real examples of seeing that in action together, uh, if at all possible. Don't just uh, hear, that, oh, yeah, we integrate with that and and assume that it's all good. Otherwise, you're going to get a name and a phone number, and that's about it. Um, all right, as we move on, let's uh, let's dig into uh, another point, which is really compliance. And, you know, certainly we're not compliance experts, but uh, we've worked with quite a few different, uh, different variations there. Uh, I think one of the things that comes into play is the tuck-in versus outsourcing of that compliance you know, scenario. So you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so compliance, we're not talking about, you know, uh, policies and procedures and reviews and things like that. I mean, that, there, there's, you know, we can touch on that a little later. There's firms that can help. You know, what, what we're really talking about is what's the structure of your practice? Um, do you want to be completely independent under your own brand name uh, and then outsource everything? Uh, or do you want to tuck in? And what we mean by, by tuck in is uh, a great example of someone like uh, Carson Wealth, who is a, a great firm uh, out of uh, Omaha. And essentially what happens is they uh, will either buy you or you associate with them. And, you know, your advisory services are offered through Carson Wealth. Uh, and you, uh, they take care of compliance and investments and have a, a whole breadth of services. So there's definitely some benefits to tucking into a larger organization. You get to leverage all their relationships, including custodial. Uh, however, uh, you do lose some of uh, your brand um, and, and it being your independent business. Yeah, I think there's, you know, it's interesting, right? In our business, our industry, there are so many words that mean different things based on what your, you know, the context. And so, you know, a lot of a lot of advisors say, well, I'm an independent advisor, right? Because I'm not at a wirehouse. And then you keep working down the mix and you say, well, okay, well, I'm I'm independent advisor because I'm not I'm no longer with a broker dealer. And then I'm an independent advisor because I'm with a let's say a Carson Wealth, right? A very uh, a very um, structured RIA that's a larger group versus going all the way down to it's it's my business, damn it. And I'll run it the way I want to run it, right? And it's it's just you and your team. And it's interesting because you look at what level of independence do you really want to be. With each step down on that notch, you're really increasing, in my opinion, the level of independence that you have, right? Who's making the final decision on what partners you work with, what software you have, the custodian, all those things. And when you get to the point of fully independent, where it's your RIA and that's the only business that you're doing, uh, you're the one that's making those those decisions, and so this hopefully these points we're talking about uh, become very very valid. Now, like I said, it's it's really about what level of independence do you want to have. Correct. Yep. And and part of the business partners uh, choosing business partners is the investment side of it. Well, you know, as an RIA, uh, you're going to have to make some key decisions when it comes to the uh, uh, investment side of your practice. Um, and to me, it's quite simple. You can either, there's variations, of course, but you can either uh, 
self-manage as an advisor, uh, rep SPM, advisor SPM, where you're making all the portfolio management decisions for your clients. That opens up a whole can of worms when it comes to models and trading <laughs> um, and, uh, and compliance. And secondly, you can outsource everything to third-party strategists. Um, and uh, those are two important decisions that you're going to have to make at the at the onset of, of your RIA for the most part uh, to hit the ground running. Yeah, and I think I would add another step to that, right? First is just doing it yourself as far as managing the portfolios, of which those questions about portfolio management systems and things are, are very valid uh, that we talked about earlier. Uh, second being, as you mentioned, outsourcing the whole ball of wax so that you're just using strategists. But I'm going to add a third layer, and that is well, working with another group or outsourcing the OCIO function because that's becoming more and more prevalent. I know I recently did a blog post on that. Uh, and, and, and that's something that it can really be a benefit to the, to the business because in the end, the more independent of that scale that I was talking about, the more independent you become, the more hats you wear. The more hats you wear, the less time you have. So, you know, where you can outsource to third-party strategists is great, but you have to figure out the due diligence process and keep an eye on them and learn about new ones so that you have an idea what's what's good and, and how and you that's fine. I mean, all that, those things. You can, yeah, it's it's really it, it just depends on on each advisor. You know, it, it uh, right. and sometimes it's a progression of of you know mistakes and achievements. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can start as self-manage, and I think. In my experience, a lot of younger advisors typically start as self-managers because they they want to do it all themselves. Hey, you're hiring me. I'm going to manage the money. I'm going to make allocation decisions. As your business grows and as you progress as a person, you start to realize what's important to you in terms of time, in terms of business, how you want to grow. And the trend usually goes towards outsourcing as you get older or slash right. as your business grows and you want to allocate time to what's important. So, uh, you know, right. it, you just have to, you know, get on the bike yourself and, and figure out, uh, you know, what direction you want to take it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think this, you know, these first couple of points, we've really focused on the impact to the advisor. And something that we have to keep in mind is really our, our, our next point, which is about the client experience. And, you know, we have to balance, right? What's, what's the best for the client? But Likewise, we all have to stay in business. We have to grow a business, make it something that's easy to work with. And, and in the end, look, we, we're very fortunate. Everybody who might be listening or watching this podcast is in a business that you have the opportunity, should you decide to, to really make it the way you want to live and help the people that you want to help. And that's a pretty cool scenario because most jobs just aren't like that. Yeah. So if we're talking about client experience, then... One thing I, I think our industry has really, really failed uh, to deliver a clean client experience. And I don't fault the advisors um, at the end of the day because I think they've been they haven't been given the, the right tools to deliver that. It's either, you know, software systems that are spread out all over the place or they just rely on the custodian's uh, system uh, or, or the broker dealer that also is on top of the custodian. Uh, and, and I think we as an industry really need to play catch up here because the consumer, uh, their experience and other tools, uh, financial or otherwise, 
is uh, by far better than what financial advisors have been delivering. Um, of course, you can talk about the Amazon and things like that, but but forget about that. Even even um, you know Mint and and personal capital and 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 those different tools uh, that are retail facing. I think the experience is is so much better than some of the advisor tools that I've seen. I would agree. I've actually used both just so that I could see what uh, what they they looked like and functioned like. Um, and it, yeah, I, I think in many cases, um, you know, it's it's hard to put that kind of experience together. But here's the primary reason: they have one very distinct purpose, and that's to go straight to client direct and and serve that particular niche. You know, you as an advisor are forced to have to deal with, okay, well, my, in most cases, you know, we, we've talked about sort of integrating all these different pieces of the puzzle, right? You have, well, the custodian's going to send some statements, and maybe a manager's going to send a, a report or two, and you want to do a financial plan, so there's a, a, a path, right? All these different things are different entry points for clients, and, and therein lies the rub. It's automatically four or five different portals or places that the clients have to go to get their information. You know, they they don't in and, most cases, in my experience, under, under someone else's brand. Absolutely. Oh, that's a that's a great one. Touch on that to to expand what you mean when you say that. Well, as an advisor delivering on client experience, you want to deliver on that experience and control it to a certain extent. If you are using the custodial login of Fidelity or TD. Uh, there's certain things you can't control. Uh, for one, the the ads uh, selling their services, they have their own version of a risk score. They have their own version of uh, account aggregation uh, where they intake all the client's information. Uh, and you lose sight of a lot of that data. So uh, it's important to, to keep it branded under, under, under who you are as an RIA and also the data to, to make sure you have the data uh, and can and can act on that. So, I think yeah. that's that's a, a important part here on delivering on the yeah. client experience, at least. Yeah, I, I would agree. So in the end, you know, look, instead, you know, unfortunately, most advisors are are faced with that four or five different entry points, four or five different portals, four or five different branding schemes, uh, and the service model is just pretty tough to come together uh, if it's not an all-in-one solution. And, you know, that's the mindset that we always talk about is simplicity breeds clarity, right? How can we make, and this is what advisors should be thinking through their business on a daily basis. How can we make business simpler and the client experience more simple? So with that note, uh, any other parting thoughts before we get to recommendations? No, I mean, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of steps here, but, you know, the, the main ones <laughs> I think we touched on are custodian software, compliance investments, and wrapping that all mm -hmm. together and, and delivering that client experience. Um, right. It, there's a ton of presentations across the industry about it, uh, but you're not going to know anything until you really dive into it and start doing these things yourself and, and learning. So, look, we're just trying to offer some guiding um, uh, wisdom and and. and and help along the way. So uh, definitely reach out to us. We've we've uh, been running an RIA and also helped other folks. So uh, we know a couple things about it at least. <laughs> yeah. All right. What you got for a recommendation? So our industry doesn't need another uh, <laughs> publication, uh, but this new one that came up recently called RIA Intel. Uh, I got to know one of the journalists, been following them well, 
and I just I really love it. It's a clean user interface, really timely articles. They're well written, uh, and I think it's worthwhile. And here's the thing: I, I hate paywalls. I hate registration walls. Make your content free. Figure out another way to make money. Uh, there's no paywalls on any of this stuff, so you know you, it's not gated at all. You can read the full content and enjoy it. I think it's a, a publication that advisors should have uh, on their radar for sure. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a bit a bit from uh, business because this is a Saint Croix ultralight fishing rod. Yeah. So <clears throat> as I seem to be stuck on fishing a lot this year said <laughs> self-distancing uh i i grew up crappie fishing and and had an ultralight and i just loved it but i Wait, haven't done that in up, years I, i've been a bass fisher crappy fishing <laughs> that's right sir uh but uh anyway uh, so this is the point where christopher can put up our picture of this ginormous fish that i caught with this little bitty ultralight uh, you know, look, it's a, ultralights are very, very sensitive. They are for small panfish typically. And uh, as evident by the very first fish I caught, it's sensitive enough to realize that that, that big monster was on my line. So with a little bit of humor, uh, I thought I would share my, my new St. Croix. It's my first St. Croix rod, so I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how it uh, holds up over time. Cool. Conquer fish. Hey, Amen. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks. Uh, any other thoughts before we go? No, nothing. I'm good. Uh, All right, rock and roll. We're out. Thanks. Thanks. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. 